everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ta long ball. Hello Cleveland, welcome to another episode of the 1085 Iron Podcast. It is episode number 99. Uh, I can't believe we're already to this point. We're one day removed from the Super Bowl where we saw uh, the New England Patriots win their sixth Super Bowl title in the last 17 years, defeating the uh, Los Angeles Rams 13-3. But we have a, a pretty... Nice episode lined up for you guys. We have Jack Duffin of the Paul Brown Podcast joining us to talk free agency and salary cap and whatnot, but I can't do this uh, on my own. I have my co-host, Jack McCurry of the North Coast Sports with me. How are you doing today, Jack? Oh, I'm doing well, man, and I'm really looking forward to this episode. Uh, Jack was very gracious with his time, and obviously being over in London, the time difference was an issue, but uh, he was a great get, and it was nice to sit down and chat with him about the Browns. Absolutely. Hey, do you, um, you know, before we get into this interview, you want to give a little bit of preview of, of some of the content that we're going to hear with Jack here in a few minutes. Yeah, we're going to talk about some potential free agent options that uh, are coming out of the Super Bowl. Uh, we talked about some potential roster cuts and, you know, he Jack went into depth even going as far as who would be a potential roster cut next year. And then we also talked about some potential free agent additions and also discussing potential uh, contract numbers for our the free agents that we have right now that we're trying to re-sign. Yeah, there's a, a ton of info uh, that Jack Duffin dropped into our podcast on this episode, and I, I really hope you all enjoy it. Um, you know, with the start of the offseason officially here, now that the Super Bowl is over, uh, I think a lot of us Browns fans and, and podcast hosts and, and whatnot are absolutely excited for uh, what's about to come. Free agency is just a little over a month away. Um, so this will be a, a nice preview into some of the things that we can expect when it comes to free agency. Uh, with all that, we'll be right back with our interview with Jack Duffin. 
Joining us now on the 1085 Gridiron Podcast, he is the co-host of the Paul Browns Daily International Browns Podcast, and we are very excited to have him on the show all the way from Thurrock, England. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that properly. It's uh, Mr. Jack Duffin. Jack, how you doing, man? I'm good. It's good to be on. It's Thurrock, but uh, yeah, it's just outside London, so basically, just go with London. It's easier. All right. Well, we... uh, Thank you so much for joining us on the pod. Um, you know, it's the official start of the NFL offseason now with the uh, Super Bowl behind us. And uh, that's where we'll start our uh, discussion today. Jack, what was your thoughts on the Super Bowl that a lot of people are calling boring? But I actually thought it was a really good game between the Patriots and the Rams. Uh, I thought it was a really, really good matchup between the Patriots offense and the Rams defense. On the other side, I felt the Pats defense played well, but I thought it was a lot of times I was just looking at how poor the uh, Rams offense was. So it, why I love the defensive battle between Brady and sort of uh, Wade Phillips, I weren't that impressed with the Rams offense. I thought it's just a bit bland. Yeah, definitely. I think we were, you know, the, the big topic going into the game was, you know, was Sean McVay going to knock Belichick off his throne and, you know, pretty much be the next offensive Belichick as he heads into the future. But uh, uh, obviously Belichick let everybody know that this is still my kingdom per se. And um, I'm not willing to relinquish the throne anytime soon. Anthony, uh, when you looked at this game and I said it last night on Twitter, I said offense gets you to the Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, the defense is still going to win you the Super Bowl. Do you still feel like that's the case? Yeah, I think so. When you look across the NFL, this entire season has been about the offense. And the story in in the playoffs, and especially last time in the Super Bowl, it was defense. And I think what you said is really accurate. Um, You know, it's great to have a really high-powered offense. Um, It's exciting for the regular season. Um you know, you need to score when you have to. But when it comes down to it in the Super Bowl, you're going to beat the other team by having a really good defense. And the way you saw the New England Patriots defense uh, really contain the Rams offense, coupled with the Rams not being able to execute last night, um, really shows uh, a great blueprint on how to win the Super Bowl. Do you guys think that if Todd Gurley was 100% that it would have made a major difference in the game last night? No, if I'm going to be honest, I think Todd Gurley is probably up there with some of the most overrated players in the NFL. Um, If you look at his numbers against a box of seven defenders, he is below average. Uh, The only reason his numbers are so good is because Sean McVay, by using 11 personnel all the time and having them three wide receivers out there, has much lighter boxes, and he's the running back that runs most against light boxes, and his production doesn't come through anything Gurley does. Gurley gets his production because it's schemed so well, and when you're running against a six-man box, you can do more as a running back when you've got a good O-line, so I think it's very much he's just a scheme-based player. Um, The last three years, his um, percentage of missed tackles has basically been the same. There's no real variation in it. He's just lucky he's in a good Sean McVay scheme. Yeah, when you look at that offense and what C.J. Anderson was able to do, I, I just want to uh, focus my whole game plan on using him versus Gurley. Uh, with what Anderson was able to do over the last course of the month at the end of the regular season and in the playoffs, uh, it would have made much more sense to really focus the game plan uh, around Anderson, who 
was seen to find holes everywhere. Uh, was able to catch passes out of the backfield. Uh, delivered a, a monster stiff arm uh, early in the game. So, uh, you know, I, I like Anderson. Um, I don't. I'm not sure if Gurley's going to be back. I mean, you heard all this uh, talk of uh, you know him not being healthy. Uh, you know, when you have a when you're able to somewhat replace the running back uh, with no major drop off, which is what they did towards the end of the season. Um, you know, Gurley's going to have a lot of value, and I'm, I'm curious to see uh, what the Rams are going to do going through this offseason with Ty Gurley. Yeah, definitely, especially the fact that one year ago they signed him to a, a mega contract and, and add in the fact that Le'Veon Bell's out there on the market. There's some other running backs that, you know, maybe a team that, you know, needs to upgrade the running back position, they take a chance and acquire Gurley in the offseason. That'll definitely be something to watch. Uh, one more, one final question about the Super Bowl and it pertains to the Patriots um how long do you guys think this dynasty is really going to last I mean obviously Brady's 41 Belichick's in his mid-60s but it seems like that train just keeps on churning um I mean how much longer hypothetically do you think it's going to last they've got one more year where they're in a really good spot because then even though a lot of Browns fans want 2019 to be the year it's probably going to be a year too early. 2020, the Baker and Kitchen show is taking over. And with the position we're in, with how the roster's built, we're going to be dominating that AFC. So uh, while they might win the division and still get to the playoffs, the Baker train is coming in. Yeah, I'm with Jack on that one. Uh, you know, we looked, when you saw that NFL 100 commercial last night with uh, Tom Brady handing Baker Mayfield, all those rings, uh, you know, it's just a sign of things to come. I don't know if it's going to be next year, like Jack mentioned, but <coughs> excuse me. Uh, I would say within two years, three years, uh, that dynasty is going to end. Uh, Brady's going to retire, and it's going to be the, the Browns' time, and it's going to be a hell of a time. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, you know, like I said at the top of the show, we're – at the official start of the off season, now players can start getting cut and, you know, you're, we're really going to start diving into free agency in the draft now from this point forward. Uh, and it, as it pertains to free agency, it starts a month from now. And, but there's, you know, there's free agents from each team from last night that the Browns could be interested in. Um, I put together a small list from both teams, you know, Jack, based on what you know from the Rams and the Patriots, who are players that are going to be free agents on the market that would interest you and would be a fit on this Browns roster heading into 2019? The one player, and if anyone's followed me on Twitter has seen me banging the drum for this for about the last four months, is Trey Flowers, uh, defensive end for the Patriots. Um, people are saying, oh, you're never going to let a player like that hit free agency. The Pats have never had a habit of paying them premium pass rushers. They let Chandler Jones go. I understand that was a trade, but I just cannot see with their cap position them paying him. I think a deal somewhere in the region of 45 to 50 million, three-year deal with 30 million guaranteed, he signs that. Um, you've got some other names of um, Brown's going to be a free agent, the tackle, Trenton Brown. I just can't see us paying him. Uh, Guskowski might be the first five million a year kicker. I'm not that keen. Sue, is one if you want to go and spend big on a defensive tackle. Um, he's just basically going to take the highest payday from any team that's likely to make the playoffs, so 15 million plus. Um, Pat's wide receiver, Philip Dorsett, is one that 
you might take a punt on, but I think if we re-sign Perryman and we re-sign Higgins, then he doesn't come. And the other one I'd throw out there is a, a linebacker for the Rams. He's a restricted free agent, so he's probably not going to make it. It's Littleton. I think he's just been solid, and uh, it could be an interesting addition if they decide not to re-sign him. I'm glad you brought in you brought up Trey Flowers right off the bat. I was listening to uh, Locked On Browns this morning when I was in the gym, and Brent Sobolewski said that if Trey Flowers were to leave New England, that Cleveland makes the most sense for him just because of how he's used uh, scheme-wise defensively in New England. Cleveland would be best suited for him. I think that would be the top guy. And um, I know me and Anthony went back and forth on Sunday about Trey or Trey is it Trent Brown, Trent Brown, and you know the hypothetical that you know the Browns need a left tackle because I think it's I think they do to a degree. Um, but like you said, I don't think they're going to break the bank for Trent Brown. You've seen what Nate Solder got a year ago on the free agent market. Um, I think the Browns will look elsewhere when it pertains to the uh, offensive tackle position. Anthony, when you look at uh, potential free agents from the Rams and the Patriots outside of Flowers and Browns, do anyone uh, perk your interest in adding to the Browns roster? Yeah, I would say Dante Fowler. Uh, you know, the, the Rams got him on a, on a short-term rental, and – uh, he made a, a very nice impact on that defensive line, along with Donald Sue and Aaron Donald. So I, I would really, you know, I I don't know how many times we said on this podcast you can never have enough pass rushers, and uh, Dante Fowler absolutely fits that mold. And uh, maybe to have him line up opposite side of Miles Garrett, hey, I'm all for it. There's one guy neither one of you brought up, and I'm going to bring him up. He made an impact play in the Super Bowl last night. Browns fans know who he is, and I just want to see if you guys would be interested in this. If we don't get that impact defensive tackle, um, like a Gerald McCoy, for instance, or the Browns aren't high on these defensive tackles at the top of the draft at 17 per chance, would you guys be open to Danny Shelton perhaps coming back on a cheaper contract than he would have if he had to stay a year ago before we even traded him? For me, no, it's not really a position I want because I think if you brought him back, you might be looking to play him at the one tech and slide um, Ogan Joby over to the three tech. I want to remain as that um, pass rush based offense. Keep Ogan Joby there as your one tech. And I really want to go out this season and find for about a million a um, year, just a massive um, player who's going to come in, play five to 10 snaps a game and then just cause havoc, um, and then really invest in that three-tech and get someone that's going to be the difference there. But I'm not really interested in, tr- in paying really anything for a, a one-tech. Just get me a big fat man on one million to come in, play them five snaps where you know it's going to be a run play, and then you can just do a little bit there. That sounds like a job for me. <laughs> um, <yeah. clears throat> Jack, Today, the window opens where teams can start cutting uh, their own players that they have under contract. When you look at the Browns roster as it stands right now, who are the most likely guys to be cut between now and the start of free agency in March? So there's only one that I think is a lock to definitely cut. That's Jamie Collins. So you're going to pay $2.5 million to cut him, and that saves you nine point two five. Um, you've got two other players that are possible cuts. So you've got TJ Carey, which if we do it this year is $4.7 million to cut him, and that saves you four point two. But you might wait till next year where you're going to 
um, pay 1.8 million to cut him and you save 6.35 and then Hubbard is your other one if you cut this year it's going to cost you 3.2 million but it's going to save you 4.1 million but if you wait until 2020 you're looking at 2.4 million to cut and that saves you 4.9 million but you could easily get a trade offer there for Hubbard and then I think there's two other players that are cert cuts for me in uh, 2020 and fans won't like listening to this it's Jarvis Landry and it's uh, Kirksey I just can't see any of them two or any of these five making the 2020 roster yeah, I'm with you on the Collins, although I have heard that they're still debating back and forth um, on whether or not they will cut him. So that will be definitely one to watch with over the next month. I would think Carey would be one that would be like a instant cut. Obviously, you're going to have to take the 2.7 million dead cap hit. But, you know, he didn't really work out for his first year. He, he did show some flashes towards the end of the year, but I just don't see at that price tag where he is a legit, there's a legit reason to keep him for 2019 and beyond. Jack, are you there? Yep. Sorry, guys. No, you're fine. Um, you did bring up Jarvis Landry. Um, I know that there, the that's like one of the the great debates on Brown's Twitter. Um, you know, how do you feel? I know how you feel about him, but for our listeners that don't know, uh, where's your stance on Jarvis Landry? I know a lot of people are indifferent on him because of his high salary, but uh, what do you think of him as a football player and as a leader in that uh, locker room? So I, I sit there and I go and compare him to Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola. And I'm going, right, I can get a really good slot receiver. And even um, Cole Beasley, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, I'm looking at that slot receiver market. You're looking sort of 5 million tops. And if you want to push it, let's say 5.5 million. So that's your bar of what you can get for a slot receiver. We've gone and paid him. Um, it's dropping into the 14 million this year, but it's 15 million last year. And you just can't justify that money. That's a 300% increase. And if you're talking about playing the best quarterback and suddenly you're paying 300% more than everyone else that is a nuts amount and so it's no issue on him um it's no issue if you're a player you go out there to get the money you can it was just a bad bad move by the team I could have understood if they made the move and said look we're just gonna keep him for one year we've paid a fourth and a seventh he'll hit free agency next year and maybe we'll get a fourth or a fifth back um if we play free agency right that could have been an option, but the minute you gave them an extension, it just it reeks of bad cap management, and people will say, "Oh, there's no cap issue." But the um, Kansas City Chiefs are going to hit this issue when they go and re-sign Tyreek Hill because they are able to um, give Watkins a 16 million a year deal. Suddenly, Tyreek Hill's deal, which could have been say 18, is suddenly increased to 20 million a year because you're setting that benchmark within your team, and that will come back to hurt us with Robinson. I think Robinson could have been sort of a five to six million a year player. Hubbard's on 7.3 and left tackle is more important than right tackle. So I think you're looking at 8 million, 8.5 starter there. So this overpaying has a massive knock on effect that impacts you from year to year. So I think if you're Higgins, you're sat there going, yeah, 2 million might be fine. But if Jarvis Landry's worth 15, I want more than that. And the same thing happens with Perryman. So that bad cap deal is not just his contract. It impacts everyone else in the organization. 
Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, you see the fans talking about potentially bringing in uh, Odell Beckham or Antonio Brown. If if hypothetically the Browns were to bring one of those guys in, Landry would probably go on the trade market instantly just because you could not allocate so much money to one position like that unless it's quarterback. And even then, you know, you don't want to tie up too much money to uh, the cab to the uh, to one position. And if you have two wide receivers making over 14 or $15 million, that's not good cap management. Oh, it's, it's horrendous cap management. Um, I just can't, I can't see any world where if you're talking about bringing in OBJ, you're talking about two first round picks and is anyone out there really saying, let's kill the future of this franchise and we'll be finished in three years, but we're going to have OBJ for three years and so and so, because what happens when you're going out and mortgaging two first round picks is those two players you get in the first round. Yeah, I understand they're not all going to be great, but they're cheap con players that should be at least starters and that cap ceiling. And while some fans have turned around and gone, oh, the Cooper deal's good now because they got a good uh, wide receiver out in Dallas. When they're going to have to go and pay him 20 million a year, suddenly you're looking at getting rid of great players. And you could have a situation where um, a Mac, um, he went and they've got two first round picks and then they could go get Trey Flowers if Trey Flowers. Leftovers or... <laughs> The DMV Number 97. or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Flowers was willing to go there and if you pay in Trey Flowers, say, 17.5 million a year, you get Trey Flowers and two first-round picks or Khalil Mack. And I don't care how good Khalil Mack is. I'm taking Trey Flowers and two first-round picks any day of the week because those three players are always going to be better than the one. Jack, when you look at, um, you know, you mentioned Landry's contract. You mentioned Chris Hubbard's contract. There's a couple names out there that I, I think we should keep our eye out on, at least <coughs> – this offseason. And, uh, you know, right tackle, if you're going to replace Chris Hubbard, you're probably going to want to do that with Juwan James, who's going to get probably a, a little bit better payday than Hubbard got last year, but he is a better player. And uh, when you're looking at Jarvis Landry, if you wanted to, um, you know, trade him or, or release him and, and uh, you know, sign someone else in his place, I would say somebody like Adam Humphreys uh, makes a lot of sense. What do you think about potentially adding you know, those two players to this team while being able to shed uh, that Hubbard contract and that Landry contract? I would say the way I'd look at it is if there's if we get to 17 and there's a really good offensive tackle, I'm taking that tackle. I'm moving Greg Robinson to right tackle um, if we re-sign him. And then Hubbard, for one year, I don't mind keeping him as a swing tackle because you're going to get teams that get injuries. And having that third tackle that you're confident with is fine. But then what might also happen is if a team loses their tackle this season, they might get on the phone and go, right, we know it's a silly amount, but we're going to give you a third round pick for Chris Hubbard because we need him this season. We're in our Super Bowl window and we're scared that we might get nothing this season if we can't keep our quarterback upright. Um, and in terms of the Landry one, he's definitely here for one more year. Uh, the way the contract's structured, no one's going to take it over and the dead cap tying it up. 
it, it, I'm pretty sure he's here for one more year. And I'd say go for the draft, and whether it's the second or third round, get that other wide receiver. And then suddenly you've got a room that's Higgins, Callaway, Perryman, a second or third round pick. That's four um, wide receivers that could be really good contributors. And you might find one later in the draft and bring them through, or you might not. But that gives you four. That gives you a solid position to move forward. And then if you're looking at Njoku can play slot, um, uh, Duke Johnson can play slot. There's other players out there that can come in and play slot, even if you keep Seftaval for one more year. There's different options there that you can cover up. So I'd say I wouldn't really look for free agents. If I'm using free agency, I'm looking out for them big names this year, a Trey Flowers to come in and really change the way we're working on defense. Or I'd consider maybe going the other way and um, you maybe just bring in a linebacker for a little bit of depth while you take a couple of draft picks. Someone that you're not gambling too much money on, but can just give you a little bit of an option. And if some of them, if you say take a, a linebacker in the third and fifth and then that free agent linebacker doesn't work well. You can cut them with a million dead cap and you're fine because you've found two players in the draft. So I would only be looking at the top names or no names um, if you want to make a splash. But if you're making a splash, only really do it in the uh, DB, um, maybe a cornerback or a defensive end. I would say anywhere else, avoid the splash this offseason. Jack, uh, you know, there's a couple guys this offseason that are up for extensions. Linebacker Joe Schobert, defensive back Demarius Randall, maybe even an Emmanuel Ogba or a Derek Kindred. Uh, how do you think potential contract extensions would go for, first of all, Schobert and Randall? Because I think those guys will definitely get extended. But if an Ogba or a Kindred, Kindred were to get a short-term extension, how do you think those would uh, line up? So I'll do some predictions. Um, Schobert got a big bump in his pay um, today. It was him and Kindred were the two players on our team. And it's called the Proven Performance Escalator. So players taken between the third and seventh round. It's if they pay, I think it's 35% of snaps. So I'd need to go back and check, but give it a Google and Proven Performance Escalator. But basically, players that are taken between the third and seventh round, if they play a certain amount of snaps, they're given a boost to their earnings. So it's just each of them are just over the two million mark. None of that is guaranteed salary. So if you wanted to cut them and walk away, it wouldn't be an issue. But I'd say Schobert, I'm probably looking at eight and a half, nine million a year. Um and then if you balance it out with the he's only two million this year. So if you added sort of four years, nine million a year after that, you can use this year. So you might boost him up to, say, seven point five and then call it a five year deal. Um, Randall, I think you're looking in the nine million a year, 10 million range. Um, I think there's going to be competition there. But you have seen a big slump in what safeties are getting paid. So that might be a factor and might bring it down. Um Robinson, as I said earlier, I think's eight million. Um, Perryman might be two and a half to three million one year deal because he might just want that prove it before he goes back out there and tests free agency again. Higgins and um, BBC are both restricted free agents, so you can give them original round tender for just over two million, which means other teams can bid on their contracts. But if you get a um, if an offer comes in, then you can match it as the Browns, and that player has to stay. And then if you choose not to match it then whatever that round they were drafted in that goes back you can pay about three million and then get the guarantee of a second round pick if someone wants to outbid you but i'd expect they'll probably do a deal with higgins and then the other names i wouldn't mind giving philip Gaines. i thought he did all right um a minimum contract 805 grand bringing him back um 
Charles, the restricted free agent, I'd just offer him the 720 minimum contract, bring him back. And then Coley, I'm happy to move on completely, but I wouldn't be surprised. Exclusive rights free agent, they give him the min deal and then uh, cut him after camp or after they get someone better in the draft. All right, Jay. Uh, I, I caught a, a lot of flack for this on Twitter uh, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and um, look, I, I'm not willing to go into next season with, <coughs> excuse me, uh, a rookie left tackle or Desmond Harrison. And to me, I don't think they can lose um, Greg Robinson at all. So my thought as a last resort, um, you know, you mentioned Greg potentially getting around $8.5 million, uh, for his next contract. What would you think about – I'm not saying the franchise tag at, at this point, but tra- using that transition tag, which I believe is – one and a half million or so lower than uh, the the franchise tag, uh, and just so you're guaranteeing yourself for one season that you could have stability at that left tackle position until you can figure other things out. Um, I would say I just go and pay him the eight eight point five, even if it's a three year deal with only two years of it guaranteed, because. For me, the out is in that Hubbard deal. Greg Robinson played a lot better than Hubbard. So if you're looking to dump one, you dump Hubbard. And I I move Greg Robinson to right tackle. So what I would do, if you have Greg Robinson and Hubbard done and dusted, and then even if you go and say take a left tackle in the draft, that all of our draft picks should be having to come in and battle to get starting time. No one should be given anything. And if they have to come in and fight as hard as they can to get that starting job, then great. It's really, really good. And and that's the way the best teams are. No, Only really bad teams draft someone and goes, oh, you're a guaranteed starter, because that's not good. Hopefully by week one to sort of first few weeks of the season, that first round rookie beats their way in, unless they're a quarterback, it's slightly harder. But... I would happily go into the season where you've got Robinson, Hubbard and a first round pick and just let them battle it out. Whoever's best gets in there. But even though we saw good numbers from Greg Robinson and Hubbard, when you look at how many quarterback hits were given away, they didn't actually play very well. Um, And I think if you give Freddie Kitchens and Todd Munkin the opportunity to have better tackle play and rather than having to scheme on sort of a tight end to chip block all the time, they can have five offensive skill players that can do different stuff i think you'll see a lot better um playbook and some more explosive plays so i'm happy to take the punt and if it takes that rookie till week six to beat out greg robinson hubbard then so be it but i think if you're taking the right rookie you're going to get better play by the time we get to week one in the nfl season than you have from hubbard or greg robinson jack as we sit a little less than three months out before the draft who if you've looked at any draft prospects yet, who is your ideal target for the Browns with the 17th pick? So for me, there's five options of what I do, regardless of what season. If I had the 17th pick and I'm a franchise, there's only five things I'd ever do with that pick. Um, and then positions, what I'd touch, would be quarterback, left tackle, defensive end, cornerback, and trade down. So we don't need a quarterback. Um, if we can get Trey Flowers as a defensive end, I don't think we need anything. The depth is really good there. You've got Avery, who I'd just make a defensive end. You've got Ogba. You've got Zettel. You've got Smith. There is enough options in there. I'm looking between left tackle, um, defensive end, 
or cornerback. Um, and I'm open for a cornerback at the moment. Um, I don't, I'm not there as sort of a draft wizard, so I won't give you names that I'm not entirely sure about. But um, there's some better names out there. But I'm looking between a left tackle and a cornerback if we can lock up Trey Flowers. And then who we go for, That I'll leave that to better minds than me. But uh, I'll be annoyed if we use it on a three-tech and defensive tackle. I just look at the past drafts. There haven't been enough great ones. And too many of them just don't produce. Um, you look at um, last year, Tampa Bay Buccaneers went with Vita Vea. He hasn't done anything, really. Um, and why would I want to bring in one of those players and hope that he becomes something? I'd much rather take in a more prover player at defensive end, and then we can just find some second, third-round player to plug away at three-tech. It's a deep enough draft that you'll get some good options there in the second round. Last question, Jack. Uh, looking around the league, who would be your ideal trade targets because i think with the the mid-round picks that we have i would expect dorsey's gonna go trade hunting again this offseason yeah so i'd sort of set my eyes on hassan riddick um but then that's more or less dead because the reason he's up as a trade candidate is because uh they didn't know how to use him in arizona and so there's no point bringing him over and sticking him with wilkes and seeing how he does um, I don't want to touch Gerald McCoy. I just think 13 million's too much for him. Um, obviously, if you bring him in and he wants to go down to the sort of seven, eight million range, they're not happy there. For me, I haven't seen anyone that stood out. I don't know who you guys like as that sort of trade candidate. Um, I wasn't a big fan of most of the trades we did last year. I thought the Randall one was brilliant um, and I didn't like any of the rest. I thought Teddy Bridgewater was 10 times better than uh, Tyrod Taylor and you didn't have to give up a pick and you'd have gained a third round pick if you wanted to move him on. So um, I'm not a big fan of going out there and making them trades. Obviously, if there's little ones like the Pats are the masters of this, they'll move down about 10, 20 spots in the draft and then get a player out of it. Those trades are absolutely brilliant if you can get them. And teams are stupid to give up that player because, quite frankly, moving up 10 spots on day three of the draft is nothing. So maybe one of them little players out there. But I think there's enough sort of free agents like um, Darius Phelan coming out of um, the Chargers. He would be a solid name I'd like to add as a three-tech. Um, and Ronald Darby, a cornerback, um, should be hitting free agency from the Eagles. I know he's injured and probably going to start the preseason on PUP. But if you can get him for sort of five, six million for one year, I would take that on a prove-it deal because I think there is a lot of talent with him. Yeah, definitely. I do like the Ronald Darby option. Uh, you know, that's a low-risk, high-reward situation with him coming off an of injury. Uh, Jack, we thank you so much for your time. I know with the time difference, it's uh, it was hard scheduling this up, but we thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Uh, go ahead and plug everything you're doing on your end, especially with uh, your podcast, which is uh, it's on my playlist all the time, man. Thank you so much. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jack Duffin. So J-A-C-K-D-U-F-F-I-N. And I'm part of the Paul Brown podcast. We do seven days a week, 365 days a year, 20 minutes roughly of just content. So we've got some insane guests on for draft season. We've had some names like John Ledger. Um, I was speaking with Kyle Krabs today. So that probably won't have dropped by the time this drops. But um, we've had some insane guests on. We've had um, who have we had from the bigger world? Daniel Jeremiah has been on before. There's been loads of incredible names, but 
just come and support us. We've had a wicked time doing it. Um, you guys have obviously enjoyed it, but um, we're just having great fun. Um, yeah, we drop seven days a week, 20 minutes. So it's nice and easy to listen to. Just slot it into your day somewhere. But uh, no, there's some crazy stuff. But no, keep up the good work, guys. Um, I've been listening to you recently, so I've really enjoyed it. And uh, it is incredible how much good Browns content is out there. I literally sit there at the start of the day and I've got 10 podcasts downloaded between great NFL and Browns content. And I sit there and I go, how am I going to cram this all into a day? But managed to get there by the end of Sunday. I've got through everything and then the avalanche of more podcasts begins the next day. Yeah, man, it's the, uh, the number of Browns podcasts is insane, but, uh, we have a great community and, uh, we all try to help each other out. So, uh, once again, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. No, thanks. Keep up the great work. Well, we absolutely appreciate Jack Duffin taking the time to, uh, you know, spend a half hour with us, talk free agency uh, with the Browns. Um, you know, he's become probably the, the real go-to when it comes to uh, talking about the cap situation with the Cleveland Browns, and we absolutely appreciate him coming, him coming on with us and, and spending some time. Jack, when you look at everything he had to said or had to say, uh, what really stood out to you uh, with some of the the different things that we cover with uh, Jack? I mean, when he went into the cap and he started talking about like you know all the potential contracts and how you know with the randall extension with the showbert extension uh robinson's potential new contract if you know some browns fans are talking about how we're going to be big spenders in free agency you know just keeping the talent that's already here that's going to chew up a lot of the cap space and Potentially. And then you look at, well, in in an offseason from now, we're going to have to extend Miles Garrett and Njoku and Peppers. And then in another, in two offseasons, we're going to have to extend Baker and Denzel Ward. So for everybody that wants the Browns to be big spenders and try to be like the Los Angeles Rams were a year ago, I would just pump your brakes because Dorsey and the front office has to use this cap wisely because we have to look at the big picture for the next four, five, six seasons ahead. And, and you know, the, the tough part about it, and it, it's something that no one really wants to, to talk about or, or discuss, is that, you know, teams do lose free agents. Good teams, you know, teams that go to the Super Bowl, uh, they, they lose free agents. They're not able to re-sign everybody. So um, at some point, uh, we'll get there with the Browns. Uh, it'll suck, but it's just one of those things that has, has to happen, and that's where – uh, drafting is so important with the Browns. You have to uh, be able to, you know, have those guys on your roster to be ready to to step up and replace those guys. Uh, that's why Pittsburgh has been so good for so many years. Uh, New England too. You know, they have these guys that sit behind their starters. Their starters perform really well. Uh, they leave on a free agent contract, but they have a player right behind them uh, that's ready to go, ready to step in, that knows the system. Uh, and is able to uh, step in right away and, you know, maybe not perform at the same level, but perform at, at a acceptable level to where it doesn't uh, have any detriment to the offense or the defense. So, uh, you know, we will lose players at some point, but uh, until we get there, I think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun um, over these next couple of years as we continue to add more talent to this roster. Uh, as we start to win more football games. And hopefully uh, within the next few years, we're 
going to that game that we watched yesterday. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, not I'm not trying to be like saying, oh, the Browns should not be aggressive. They should be aggressive because the window is so short right now with, you know, on Baker's rookie contract. But they still they need to spend wisely and not do like what Jack said, where Kansas City's in a situation where they're going to have to pay Tyreek Hill, but are going to have to move some pieces because they paid Sammy Watkins $16 million a year. So, And obviously the Browns might be in a situation at that point where you are paying guys like Kirksey and Landry large salary and they're not producing, but you know, you're know you going to have to make sacrifices to get to the ultimate goal. Absolutely. And you know it's going to be a lot of fun uh, getting there. It's going to be uh, a good time, that's for sure. All right, Jack, uh, as we get on out here, go ahead and plug everything you got going on. Yeah, as always, follow me on Twitter at jmccurrycle. Check out my site, thenorthcoastsports.com, for all the latest on Cleveland sports. It's going to be busy this week. I'm going to write some stuff about the Browns. I got the NBA trade deadline and you know what the Cavs potentially could do or will do. And then uh, there's I've been writing a lot of stuff about Ohio State football, so check that out. And then also check out the other podcasts I do, the North Coast Sportscast. We'll have an episode dropping later this week about the NBA trade deadline. And then Indians baseball is right around the corner, so I'll have some stuff up later on this month about them as well. Yay. That's how excited I am about the Indians at this point. Uh, hopefully they can change that a little bit. <coughs> uh, excuse me. As we get on out here, uh, you can find our podcast uh, on pretty much any platform that you can think of, including iTunes, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, among others. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and on Facebook at Tinnyfy Gridiron. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Jokey, J-O-K-I. Uh, be sure to subscribe, review, and rate our podcast. We absolutely appreciate it. And with all that, we'll be getting on out of here. Uh, we'll be back probably next week, uh, later this week. We're not sure yet. We'll figure it out. But we'll be back with our 100th episode, and I would imagine it's going to be a, a real fun one, that one. So uh, as we get out of here, I'll leave you with this as I do at the end of every episode, and that is Go Browns. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.